Yo, what is up? This is Hal in Philly, flying solo with a little story for all you David Bowie fans. I discovered him, you know. Okay, not really. I think we all felt that way about Bowie at some time or another. He was something else, wasn't he? Well, I'm not going to waste any more time getting into it, so welcome and enjoy one of my very own true, with pictures to prove it, Tales of the Road Warriors! It started just after I had spent seven months in Israel in 1971 on a kibbutz where I met some very cool people from all over the world including Boston, Massachusetts. Upon my return to Philly, I had the traveling bug. I still had it. still had to get out of the house. So when an opportunity for a very unique job in Boston's Harvard Square came up, I grabbed it. Not just to get out of my parents' house, but to appease that sense of adventure that I, I had acquired abroad. Before Israel, the furthest I had ever ventured from home was the Jersey Shore. Well, I wasn't about to pass this up. I was one of those people who could spot a superstar before they became famous. Bowie was one of those soon-to-be superstars. Back in the 60s and early 70s, the place where all the hippies usually ended up was Rittenhouse Square. It was like a love-in almost every day. People mostly just hanging out in the park, playing music, being stoned, or just being a couple blocks away was the Sansom Street Boutique area. Sansom Street was Philly's answer to McDougal Street in Greenwich Village in New York, or Haight Street in the Haight-Ashbury section of San Francisco. There were head shops where we'd go to get hash pipes and bongs and rolling papers, clothing stores that sold elephant bell bottoms and tie-dyed everything, coffee houses, secret concert venues, and a record store that always smelled like patchouli oil and incense where you could buy patchouli oil and incense, full-length albums, 45 singles like the Strawberry Alarm Clock's Incense and Peppermints. See what I did there? On this particular occasion, I was rifling through the 99-cent bin. Now, the albums in the 99-cent bin mostly were by local artists whose music had never and would never see the light of day, or perhaps they had a very small cult following. So I'm looking through these albums, and at some point, this odd-looking cartoon on the cover of one of the albums in the bin caught my eye. I picked up this odd-looking album and flipped it over, and I began reading the lyrics to the songs. In those days, it was very common for the song lyrics to be printed on the back of an album jacket. I stood in the store, pouring over every word. Now, this was some pretty dark stuff, but incredibly written lyrics, and I decided I had to hear what the music sounded like. So, for 99 cents, I figured, what the hell? So, I I bought it, and I took it home. The first listen spoiled me for the first time since the Beatles appeared on Ed Sullivan. This new sound, to me, was fucking amazeballs. From that point forward, for a very long time, for me, the new Beatles was David Bowie, Mick Ronson, Trevor Boulder, and Mike Garson, and producer Tony Visconti, who for me was the new George Martin. As I was saying earlier, during my stay in Israel, I met a few people from Boston, Boston, Mass., and one of them had a friend from Bayonne, New Jersey, who had started a sandwich sign business. Well, one thing led to another, and to make a long story short, I ended up working for this guy. 
He had several accounts with merchants who owned businesses and shops in and around Harvard Square, which was kind of their Greenwich Village at the time. No shit. Top hat, hair back, and a big bushy ponytail, a harmonica, and a bicycle horn. And my job was to stroll up and down the streets of Harvard Square wearing a sandwich sign, advertising the local shops and playing music during my doing my uh, one-man band thing. Among my sponsors was a, uh, a suede and leather shop, uh, a shoe store, a deli, a bakery, and a women's clothing boutique. One day, I'm doing my sandwich man thing, just strolling up the street, sporting my black top hat, ponytail, playing my harmonica, and occasionally tooting the bicycle horn, when a straight-looking guy in a suit approaches me. In fact, in those days, we literally referred to guys like that as suits. So this suit asked me if he could rent my entire sandwich sign, front and back, for two weeks. He went on to explain that he worked for RCA Records, and they had just acquired a new artist from Mercury, and would it be cool to advertise his upcoming new album this way? Without missing a beat, I asked, Is his name David Bowie? The guy's jaw dropped. He must have thought I was psychic. So after telling him the story of how I discovered his album the previous year, we had a good laugh, and sure enough, he ended up renting me to promote the Ziggy Stardust album with my sandwich sign and one-man strolling show. To this day, I feel I was an integral part of introducing the David Bowie phenomenon to the world. Well, at least the Harvard Square. And that's the story. I never met Bowie, but I did see him in concert at least a dozen times. I went to the shows at the Tower Theater in Philadelphia where his live album, David Live, was recorded. You can hear my voice shouting and screaming from the audience between some of the songs because I was in the front row and even got to touch his hand during Rock and Roll Suicide. Well, well, what happened was I had row, I I still remember this to, I, I remember this vividly. I had row K seat 13 and row K was where they put the soundboard. So anybody who got uh, tickets that were in those seats were told uh, to follow the usher and he was going to take them to their new seats. And we're figuring, oh man, we're going to end up in some section where we can't even see the stage. No, he goes the other way. He goes down, 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 down. And we're like almost at the stage. And then we're at the orchestra pit. And then we're in front of the orchestra. We're like in the, we're at the stage, literally leaning on the stage, standing up. It was amazing. So yeah, got great seats. That's how I know that when you hear that album, you hear all the screaming. I know you're hearing my voice because we were, we were right up front where all the action was. Bowie died much too soon. January 10th, 2016, at the age of 69, after suffering from liver cancer for a year and a half. Only two days after releasing his very dark and prophetic 25th album titled Black Star. Today is January 23rd, uh, only a couple weeks after the anniversary of, of his passing. And that's when I'm recording this. So thanks for listening. In closing, I would like to request that you subscribe to Tales of the Road Warriors on Apple Podcasts. Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spreaker, or your podcast app of choice. A five-star rating would be awesome, too, if you'd be so kind. In the coming weeks, stay tuned for a Best of 2019 episode, 
and guests, including Mott Bell of the Joe Perry Project, George Bennell of the Strawberry Alarm Clock, who I mentioned a little earlier. And I'm thinking about doing a live taping of the show when I find the right venue. Please leave comments, questions, and suggestions on the show notes page at talesoftheroadwarriors.com slash discovering hyphen David hyphen Bowie. And uh, also you can email me at halinphilly at gmail.com. Okay, that's it. Time to warm up the car. I'm going for a drive. Yeah, I'm going for a drive.